All right. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> We're doing this. <laughs> How long have we known each other? Mm. I remember watching you, Will, play the snare and being like, man, that kid's really good when I was in seventh grade. In like junior high band? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that would have been, what, 13? 16 years now we must have known each other? Yeah. 16 and 17 years? Yeah. Yeah. So I think this podcast is probably an expression of our friendship. <laughs> I think the the gaggle is coming out of just our friendship and our connection and wanting to to share kind of what we've learned and what we plan on learning with people other than just this inner triangle. Would you mm-hmm. agree? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, we've, I think we've always been looking for that outlet to find that synergy among us all. And um, we've had a lot of projects uh, in the past. And, and I think this is the thing that feels most true for us right now it almost feels the easiest to me to um you know these conversations or topics of things that we want to talk about or things we feel are kind of at the center of what we need to be discussing we would be talking about regardless of if we had you know this zoom call on and we're recording the conversation you know what i mean maybe not as frequently or as like structured um definitely not as public, but I think the concepts and a lot of the energy of the conversations are the same all about, you know, our spiritual journeys and our traumas that we're processing, our emotions, you know, like our relationships, not just with each other or with our like romantic partners, but with our families and with the world in general and how we envision community and people it's all kind of like what we've always talked about you know it doesn't feel forced in any way yeah and I'm fortunate enough to be in a position now um, Mm -hmm. and so the listeners know um, I'm a spiritual director and a program manager at a spirituality center um, based in Missouri and and in Austin and so um, I've got a master's degree in spiritual formation at a seminary here in Austin. And, you know, my journey to where I am now, I think really doing what I'm called to be doing um, came out of our relationship, I would say. I feel the same way uh, for myself. I, The path I'm on, I think, is possible because of this friendship. Yeah, I would say the same, just from where I'm at. As I have been working with people in a deconstructive phase in their faith um, and working through that myself. I have been sort of attracted to somehow a lot of creative people, but I keep hearing like over and over again, how um, maybe right brain or creative people are usually longing for a community, longing for like some people to listen and to just, and and for them to know that creativity is important and that it's, you know, am I crazy kind of thing? You know, like I, I don't want to climb the ladder. I, you know, believe in 
creativity and imagination. Am I alone in this? And so, you know, I think a wish for me is, you know, we have that and not many people have that, but I have that with y'all. And if we can offer what we have to more people, man, I think that that could be really cool. Yeah. I think it would be helpful to kind of like introduce ourselves. Um, and I'm sure, you know, over the process of like unveiling content and just, and, you know, expressing our thoughts, people will get more of a sense of who we are. And it's hard to like wrap that all up in like a little quick little thing, but I'm curious, like if y'all would just introduce like your name and like kind of where you're coming from, um, whether that's, you want to talk about like your religious background or denomination that you kind of were affiliated with, but like kind of what led you to where you're at now? Um, Ryan, do you want to go first? (laughs) I can. Yeah. Um, I'm Ryan Wellborn. Um, yeah, I, I think when I tell people about my beginnings of uh, this journey towards healing and reconstructing my faith and my worldview and my understandings of, you know, how I want to be perceived by not just people, but by the earth and all the inhabitants the the first thing that I always think of is like like intense Christian fundamentalism um, that that almost feels like what I was born into like I was just I arrived and immediately entered <clears throat> a very harsh environment where my actions and thoughts and speech and <clears throat> things I was attracted to was very harshly judged. Um, and not, not, not just judged, but suppressed and, um, criticized and not in any way accepted or valued or, held in a way of a, like in a container that was supportive of, of growing who and what I was and what I was going to become. And so I think all of that kind of came to a head kind of in that college phase where the, who I am was met with the first taste of freedom in a container to express that and a separation from the life in the world that was kind of asking me to strip myself away from myself to be a mold of something that was expected of me and brought on by a Christian faith or a family that wanted an appearance. Um, and, you know, that's a long journey that would take a lot longer than just a few minutes to like discuss what happened to get to this point. But in short, I think I've found the calling to be the wounded healer with 
with y'all and with people in general in the world. And what I mean by that is I, I see my position now as a supportive kind of in the muck and mire, um, almost like in the belly of a fighter for myself and people and being able to fight for other people, because I know the language and the depths of pain and existential torment (laughs) in myself. That's like a very, I think, I think kind of maybe for all of us, but I think that language is very much understood for me. Um, and so now I'm in my, um, third year of grad school studying mental health counseling and, found nature to be the kind of medium where I see myself finding the most mental health and spiritual stability and the language that I'm learning to use to help others find something similar to that. I think, I think that's a good starting point for me. So I'm Ryan David. I grew up pretty similar to you, Ryan, but also in interesting ways, quite differently um, to you. It's, it's always kind of shocking to me still how, you know, you say I grew up fundamentalist Christian, you meet someone, oh, I grew up fundamentalist Christian too. But there's so much variation within that. In a lot of ways, um, I grew up very, very similar. I think for me, maybe one of the common points among how we all feel is that I grew up feeling like my faith and my family offered me such amazing solace, like reading the stories of Jesus being kind to the outcast and just believing in this world that's full of grace and love for everyone, no matter who they are, and singing wonderful Christian songs and and hymns and praise and worship with family and just feeling this sense of a common purpose and uh, this sense of a really deep and and theologically speaking eternal community from a super young age and just knowing that the world was safe. Then at the same time, parts of my tradition (laughs) were... um, uh, you know, kind of ignoring that reality. And um, I think from a very early age, for me, my task has been to sort of figure out that. I think that's one lens through which I view my life, which is just like we have all these high ideals as a as a faith community. I grew up in the Church of Christ. So there's kind of more of an emphasis on like works and like is is salvation manifested through your and unconditional love for other people, all these things. So that all of these super high ideals were a big part of my life. And then at the same time, our church and my family was, you know, rife with anger and emotional abuse. And uh, I think for me, this, this podcast is definitely a continuation of that. Um, Not to say that this is a, Christian podcast from my point of view, but it is a podcast. It is an effort for me to continue to sort of work through this issue, which is how do we live through 
ideals in the real world? You know, how do we have a community that is, that has values, um, but that's also inclusive and also lives up to those values, even when things get challenging and, and yeah, I, um, in college I studied, uh, sort of world religions, just wanted to sort of tackle some of those questions. Um, one of the biggest things I was interested in was how do people live like in their daily lives as religious people have always been very attracted to monks, uh, monastics, um, nuns and Thomas Merton people. Yeah. People who live with their sole purpose of, of serving, uh, other people or living together and, and, um, sacrificing the sort of concept of the great American individual who, you know, lives by his own self-sufficiency and all of that. So, um, yeah, that's been, it's been a big part of my journey. Um, you almost wanted to become a monk at one point, didn't you? Yeah. I had, I had a lot of, you know, I don't, I don't know what I was after. I was after some kind of control, I think Mm -hmm. of the, of the emotions, but, uh, yeah, I didn't somehow didn't stick. Um, I, (laughs) I don't really have any interest in being a monk or a minimalist now, quite the opposite, but, um, I am still very much interested in, in uh, paying close attention to one's behavior and one's one's mind and one's thoughts and I think that and one's feelings. I think that's uh, really the value of what the monastic life kind of gives you. So, my name is Will Bozel. Let's see. Yeah. So I uh, I grew up Christian. I grew up Southern Baptist actually, and then we moved to a non-denominational church. And uh, in college, I went through a, a pretty awesome deconstruction phase. Um, today, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still learning. It's a, a constant learning process. But I'd say now I have more tools in my tool belt and I have more language to be able to talk about things. And um, I know that I can talk about certain things with people. And I have a spiritual director who I've been meeting with for a long time and um, yeah, I, I just have a lot more resources than I did um, starting off. And yeah, and I, I mentioned earlier, I'm really fortunate to be in the position where I am today, where um, I have a master's degree in spiritual formation and I work at um, my, you know, the, the, my dream center in Austin. Um, I've been able to work with people that have been my teachers and my mentors um, I still feel like I'm in a dream. I'm here to learn and create and make, and I want to be a supporting presence for others to do the same. So I, I um, want to address, so I, I grew up Southern Baptist, um, and then I you know, moved to a non-denominational church, sort of fell out of the church, and now I identify um, as a Christian, and um, I believe in the perennial wisdom and tradition where among all of the religious truths, there is a deeper truth. Um, so, you know, I, I, I do practice um, 
a lot of, you know, spiritual practices embedded in the um, Buddhist tradition, the Hindu tradition, the Islamic tradition, and the Jewish tradition. Um, and I, I, I don't know much about them, but I'm learning. And that's kind of my, my, my path right now. And, and my focus is to, to keep um, diving deeper into those traditions and learning more about Christianity and unlearning a lot about Christianity, probably more unlearning than learning. Yeah, there's been too much learning in Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's been a theme for all three of us is really that deconstruction, unlearning process. It seems to be kind of like almost one of our biggest adhesives. Mm -hmm. Um, The learning learning thing, I think, is part of probably all of our paths um, because uh, that is what religion I think has, has been framed for us as is like something you is like knowledge or like beliefs that you kind of like incorporate. I know in some churches, like literally the whole point of religion is just to get someone to speak a certain verse or whatever with their mouth and then they're good and nothing else. That's the whole point of getting them into church, which is uh not my tradition and it's also so i don't i don't mean to be rude to whoever you know did grow up that way but but i mean that's the opposite i think of what we're after now which is for me is is a religion that lives even more so in in the body and the heart than than in the mind or the mouth you know yeah any of those kinds of places in, in other words i'm trying to i think in a lot of ways i'm trying to deconceptualize what uh, a religious life looks like um, and, and more find out what it could mean from a, from a position of being a human and with a human being as an animal on the earth. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think before we talk about like our limitations and, like natural biases it'd be i think first good to kind of get y'all sense of um like what your focus is or what you feel like is kind of your area of expertise maybe but mostly kind of what you think you're going to be bringing in to discussions and kind of your like realm of focus so I, i i guess i can talk um I'm the community development leg of the tripod. Basically, I think that means I, for a little bit of time, um, I've been pretty invested in sort of understanding the ways that like our, our environment, the way that sort of humans have world is pretty antithetical to um, community, to living a spiritual life, to um, feeling at home in your body, to navigating the world in, in a humane and, and, uh, conscious way, I guess. So, um, I, I, uh, am very interested in conditions that, that help communities to, well, make communities possible and then, and then ultimately help them flourish and, and thrive. So, um, that's kind of, uh, one of my main focuses. Uh, but I also have a lot of interest in, um, the spirituality of, art, dance, music, um, 
I've been doing a lot of yoga, so I have a lot of other uh, passions and interests, and and I think a lot of us probably overlap quite a bit. Um, and even in even in the term community development, I think there's like a connotation that it's it's talking about like the feel goods of like group work or something like that. But I mm-hmm. I think the bigger piece for you at least recently within the last year seemed to be more about the, the, like the global communal energy of, of not just humans, but of the earth in general and what it means to be in existence with um, the, the living experience of being an animal on the earth in your body, in your soul, in your literal community of people um Mm -hmm. i don't know if you wanted to talk more about like what what all kind of the community holds there in your like love of like urban planning and and yeah Yeah, i think thanks i think for like for me it's pretty you could probably think about it the way i think about it which is like i used to go to these wonderful nature-based kind of summer camps uh you know, for like a whole week, we would all just like, just a big group of people, just an enormous group of people would all just like sleep in these wooden cabins and wake up early in the morning and eat together and then go jump in the river and then go play softball and then sing songs and like do all of these things that I think no matter your religion, like these speak to the human soul, these speak to the human heart, like this is just living with other people in a humane way, just engaging your creativity engaging nature um and just really feeling i think what it is to be alive like in a human body um and not to mention like at those ages you're like coming alive to sexuality so so there really is a huge component of that as well especially at like a summer camp full of teenagers um (laughs) but so i think you know, coming home from summer camp, like the bus ride back was very depressing for me. And I would always have a hangover for like a week or so after I came back from summer camp um, or any like beautiful adventure like that. I would just, I would just dread going back to school and going back to sort of my suburban box little life. Um, And I, I would always just ruminate on the question, like, why do we have to go back to this? Like, why can't life be more like summer camp? I really, really did not understand why it was the case that we couldn't live that way. Um, Obviously, like, we could have jobs and, like, we could learn and still go to school, but life could still incorporate so many of the the values that that I saw at summer camp. So I think ultimately, like I I did say earlier, I, I thought about becoming a monk. Now I'm much more attracted to cities because I kind of have come to see dense, vibrant cities as, like, the ultimate adult summer camp where mm. you can live your own life, but you can still walk down the street, see your friends. You could still, ideally, you could still jump in the river if we make cities how they are, or should be. I think um, it's not very common that an urban kind of, like, planning kind of nerd would be, like, openly talking about how, like, Jesus camp was like his reason, his conversion to <laughs> urbanism. Um, but like, for me, it totally is a spiritual, a spiritual thing. And, and, and I think way more than cities, I'm just about living a spiritual creative life in community. And I think I just identified, mm. I just kind of now identify cities as like 
probably the most practical way to, to get that life for people mm. and to, to find that peace. So, mm. I'm really glad you went into that. And I think another thing that you've, you've talked about a lot with me is the, uh, the oppression that you felt from what's come before that's taken from you that ability and birthright to live in a place and in a way like that. Cause you look back at like cultural, you know, energies that preclude our exit, like our current demographic and our current culture. And you see what you're looking for so many times in like, either if it's nomadic groups or even in like stagnant, um, cultures across the world before cars and technology and all these things that kind of distance and like seclude us in a culture and in a group of people you've you've talked a lot about how you feel like this like grief of losing and being and having that taken from you um that sucks so bad you know <laughs> taken yeah taken from us taken definitely taken from everybody i, I think i i feel it most deeply probably of course for myself but really taken from the world i mean even people today who grew up in cities grew up in generally in america grew up in violent polluted like noisy just ugly places um and that's the story is is that's been told to us is because well people who live in cities aren't you know responsible people they don't whatever they aren't clean they're they're addicted to drugs are they like living these lifestyles? It's absolutely not the case. It's because we've used cities as the dumping grounds for the shadow of humanity. And we've thrown had the absolute worst into those places, totally not cared what the result was. And we've driven all of our economic power, we've driven all of our social capital into the suburbs, into these isolated container lifestyles and Mm. so you know um i do love cities now but I, I just absolutely have to recognize that like if you grew up in boston or like in one of the boroughs of new york and you're listening to this and you're thinking dude it's not the ideal you think it is yeah we're <laughs> i just want to say i'm aware of that and uh, the vision i think that i have of cities is, is vastly different from from what we've done in this country so mm. I think that's good for, for me. Yeah. Wiggy. So, okay. So I think I've mentioned earlier, but um, I see my focus uh, in these conversations as um, a focus of spirituality. And I mentioned I'm a spiritual director and I uh, am aware that not many people know what that is. And uh, a quick um, explanation of that is a, one who sits with another as they attempt to deepen their relationship with the source of life by which they could um, call by many names, God, awareness. And so uh, spirituality has roots in you know, Western Christianity, uh, Sufism, Judaism, uh, Eastern Orthodoxy. And so it's a, it's a very old um, ancient practice um, that was originally in the Christian tradition done in monasteries, and it's just now sort of gaining traction um, in the mainstream. Uh, and the school that I went to 
actually had a spiritual direction training program. And um, that's where I met my mentor who um, I was just working under for the the past two years. Um, And really, you know, I just see my focus as being a safe presence to ask the hardest questions we can ask and to not run away and to, to really lean into spiritual practice and um, spiritual practice as, you know, something that makes the world a better place um, and, you know, not memorizing Bible scripture or doing any certain thing, but just being who we are and um, celebrating that. And so um, happy to be here. How do you define like spirituality or like, what would you say if someone was like curious of like what, what, what your view of that, that is in general? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I would want to know what theirs is, <laughs> you know, because I, I, uh-huh. I, I don't think that, uh, there is, you know, I, I, I don't have, um, you know, authority to, to define spirituality for another person. But for me, it's meaning making and it's connecting to a deeper part of ourselves that's outside of our mind or our ego. And so it's um, a connection where I find in my you know, deepest heart where um, when I and maybe outside in nature and I feel bigger than just myself. Like that is spirituality to me. And it's playing music with you all or any of my best friends and feeling connected. Like that is spirituality and and spiritual. And, and that is embedded in religion, but it's just been stripped out. Um, Because I think, you know, it's hard to maintain power when you're talking about that kind of inner power. I'm curious, uh, Will, what are, your, what are some of your foundational spiritual models? Yeah, I've been leaning more into sacred texts. Um, and so, you know, the, the Bible, um, a lot of, you know, Buddhist texts, um, and then also just sort of translations and commentaries on, on those. Um, I try and stick really to the source as much as I can. Outside of that, you know, the Enneagram has been an incredible model for me. Um, the hero's journey, believe it or not, and it is very problematic, I will just say, has been helpful for me. And it's also been helpful for me in raising questions. Um, let's see. A lot of, you know, Carl Jung's ideas and theories have been very formative for me as well. Um, And poetry has just been, you know, cutting to the depths of a lot of my longings and um, imaginings. Yeah, there, there are a lot. That's great. Yeah, and then, you know, I would say also um, Richard Rohr and his... Um, sort of conception or, you know, him putting to words that mythical movement of like order, disorder and reorder. I love that. It's almost like um, life, death and resurrection almost. It totally is, right? Mm -hmm. It totally is. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, 
and you know, and, and as you said, while your focus is you know in community development, that you're interested in these other um, topics, I am too, and I you know spiritual spirituality like we can't change the world. I can't be a whole human living solely in the spiritual dimension. Like we need to talk about community, um, you know, emotional health, mental health, physical health. Um, we need to have all those conversations. And so, um, yeah, I'm so interested in community development, definitely. And I'm also very interested in mental health. Yeah. So, um, my leg of the tripod, um, which I love that that analogy and picture is being used. I think it's great. Um, is the mental health aspect. Um, you know, if everything goes according to plan at the end of this next semester, I'll be a graduate with a transpersonal wilderness therapy degree to be a clinical mental health counselor. And, um, I, you know, I think mental health to me is just kind of like everything that we're talking about, such a, I don't know, it comes with a connotation or a certain opinion or understanding of what that means. And to me, um, I see mental health as a very subjective personal path and something that everybody has a right to sort of define for themselves, the limitations and hopes for. And like in terms of like the diagnosis, diagnosis areas and things like that, like I'm really not um, into the idea of putting people in boxes to help understand who and what and why they are the ways that they are. Um, I think some things can be helpful for that, but I really enjoy understanding the emotions of people experience and the tools and paths that people can go to help work with those emotions, process those emotions, um, develop a sense of stability and strength existing in this world. And the school I went to was rooted a lot in, um, Buddhist philosophy and practices and mindfulness-based counseling. And so that's kind of like a lot of my background and the transpersonal degree focuses a lot on getting the, the person in connection with their spiritual component and their soul and their, um, I think a term we'll probably use a lot is their mythopoetic image and the kind of core of what makes them feel empowered in who they are. Um, so whether you're experiencing, you know, anxiety or depression, or even some more severe mental illnesses, when you find yourself in congruence with that center and you kind of recognize the fears and limitations keeping you from that, then I think that's really where we find a lot of stability in mental health. Um, and so a lot of the conversations I'll have, or maybe perspectives I'll have are kind of from the psychological, um, framework or thinking through things. Um, but I think even in that there's so much nuance and like, um, different facets or ways of, of thinking about it and talking about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it is important for us to address, 
like who we are. Um, not, not just, uh, what we're into, but some of the more practical, realistic things, you know, we're all three white men, cisgendered, heterosexual who grew up in the suburbs of Houston, Texas. And, you know, I think more than my entire life combined this year, I've been challenged with addressing the reality of that and the limitations it puts on me and also the immense privilege that that gives me the biases, the expectations. And, um, I do want to make a guarantee that every conversation we have or thing or piece of content we publish will go through the lens and the facet of us thinking through what is limited or maybe pushed forth by our privilege. Um, so I just want to like make that as a promise that like we're, you know, working to deepen our awareness of what being three white men talking about spirituality is and how to wield that in a responsible and aware way. We mentioned that we've been friends for a long time. And when we were much younger, we were a clique. And I think that it would, let me say that again. I think it was probably hard for people to enter into our circle because what we had was just really strong. And I don't really know that we understood what was going on, but I sort of see this now as reconciliation. And I want everyone to know, let's be friends and let's talk like you are welcome. I don't want anyone to feel like they're left out. Mm. Um, and you know, I see this as us opening up our arms and just inviting as many people as we can into the conversation and to the party and to, to learn and love and grow. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, I think the last thing really is, is what, what are y'all's hopes for people listening to this? We've kind of addressed this in different ways, but I don't know if there's like some direct thing that you want to say to people who are tuning in for the first time, starting here with this intro to the podcast, um, what they can expect or, um, what are your hopes for what they take and grow from with the content that they'll find in this, just these discussions? Uh, I can speak to that just real quick. I, um, as I said earlier, these, this was a kind of resource that, um, I didn't feel that I had access to when I really needed it. Um, that's not to say people weren't doing this work, but, um, it also wasn't readily available to me for whatever reason. So, um, I think for this, I do not wish to change anyone's mind. I, do, I don't wish this podcast to change anyone's mind or convince them of anything that they don't already feel in their hearts. Um, and the purpose I think of the gaggle is to find, uh, to discover that you, that you do identify or that you do belong. And so my hope with this podcast is to, uh, nourish that, um, sentiment and to 
do everything that we can to show people that they do belong in the gaggle um, and that that be the foundation of our work to be ultimately inclusive, to be always pushing ourselves to see how we can uh, help people and offer these resources without pushing anyone away or without um, making them feel like this is more than they're ready for. Um, and that should have been more eloquent, but <laughs> trying to, <laughs> trying to uh, express that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can unfold it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about you, Will? What are, what are your hopes for people listening? I agree with, with Ryan. I, I hope that those who are listening can see that spirituality from my perspective, or healing, um, wholeness is not a strictly personal thing. And that, um, there's a reason why there's three of us from my perspective. And and that is that we have a lot of healing to do within ourselves. And let me talk about spiritual practices that can help aid in that process. And there's a lot of healing that needs to be done between each other. And may Ryan, David's voice, and all of our voices aid in that process of what does it look like to actually heal in community and be in community. And then third, we have a lot of healing to do with the planet and the natural world. And Ryan, let your voice support in that work as well. And so we have... Um, my hope is that you know, each conversation, the listener can come in and see just how multi-layered life is and how um, rich the work is and that we're in this together. And um, yeah. And, you know, when I talk about spirituality, it's my hope that it's an inclusive conversation and I, it's not my intention to, to tell another person what to do or, or what to believe or how to believe. Um, that could be for, you know, couldn't be further away from the truth. Um, I'd like to say, you know, from my perspective, you know, I, I think this is something we've all t- discussed and talked about is a lot of the conversations we're going to have and the content we're going to publish is difficult to sit with and might, you know, elicit some some gravity and some weight to it and um i my biggest hope is that we are not just a catalyst for people to deepen into things but a resource for people to process and be held in a container so there's safety and connection and community in that process of deepening to be nourished and nurtured so growth can occur and health and vitality and understanding and strength can become the predominant way that people view themselves and the health of the world around them. Um, so this is probably going to be a heavy journey for all, all three of us and for the listeners. And I'm so excited to be, be starting this process and this project. Um, 
And I'd encourage anybody listening to um, take it as slow as needed and um, know that we're with you. I want to say that it's been brought to my attention that a good definition of faith is to be willing to let divine love speak through us and to speak through the world. And that all of this healing and all of this creative energy is already inside of us and that faith is just to allow it to be expressed 